0: CHD 3 Detroit. KMPSHD HD3 Seattle. WBMXHD H D three Boston. And on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to behind the paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now two four eight five four five soul. New skyradio.com.
1: What is the bloodline? Is there an ancient secret society that guards it? Is that society a threat to Christianity? Hello there, and welcome to the 282nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben.
2: You know, and asking those unusual questions was my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So tonight we have an unusual guest on a very unusual subject that we
1: have yet to touch upon. All right. Well, I'm just looking to see if we have him here. No, yeah, we do. Okay. Good. Hi. Hi, okay, well I'm very reassuring. Robert Howells is an author and an independent researcher of esoteric and historic subjects for the last twenty years, with a specialty uh in the mysteries surrounding Rennes le Chateau, France, the Priory of Zion, and the alleged bloodline of Jesus Christ. In twenty oh three, Robert became the chief researcher for the documentary film Bloodline the Movie, and acted as a liaison between the film's producers and the Priory of Zion itself, or at least an organization calling itself that. Since then, Robert has continued to work with this group, and the result is his new book, Inside the Priory of Zion. He lives in Seven Oaks, Kent, in the dear old UK.
2: Robert Rob Howells, welcome to Behind the Paranormal.
1: Hi, Ben. Hi, Paul. Good to have you with us, Rob. If anyone would like to call in this evening and talk with Rob or us, the number in the United States or North America is two four eight. 545-7685, 545-76, I should say 545-SOUL, 545-7685. You heard that voice whom I always think sounds suspiciously like Nick Pope at the beginning who introduces our show giving that number. For anyone in the UK for whom that call is a pain in the neck, just use the instant message feature if you're listening on the CBS News Sky website or email paul at behindtheparanormal.com, which we will be monitoring. Ben's going to start us off on our questions.
2: All right, so what exactly is the Priory of
3: Scion? Um, they're a secret society, and I, I did a lot of research in secret societies over a number of years, and I'd never heard of them, and then I came across them attached to the mystery of the bloodline and Ren Le Chateau. So I started to look quite seriously into them, um, and then... I was the manager of a large esoteric bookshop in London called Watkins Books. that has been over a 100 years. And I discovered that one of the customers of Watkins was a member of the Priory of Sion. Um, And it was later when I got involved in the Bloodline documentary that I invited him to kind of, uh, well, invited the organisation to make good on a lot of the things they'd claimed and it was their chance to put the record straight so in doing so uh they i uh, assume to unleash an avalanche of information they sent me over 300 emails original documents works of art things that hadn't been seen for uh, almost a century and so i amassed all this material and put it into the book inside the prior of sion they are a secret society they exist today certainly they uh you can find their existence going back certainly thirty or forty years, but before that it gets quite difficult because they didn 't use that name and The reason researchers have so much trouble finding them in history is that they appear to work through other secret societies or are under the other un, other under names uh, in Paris they were the companions de saint sacrament you 've probably heard of the Rosicrucians the Rosicrucians. Oh, yes. The Rosicrucians are very much aligned with what the Priory of Sion are, and they appear to be a kind of spiritual arm of the Priory of Sion. So, they go back hundreds of years. Uh, the author, Arthur Edward Waite, claimed that the Rosicrucians existed at the time of the pharaohs, and are one of the oldest secret societies. Mm. So, uh, in reality, they're quite difficult, but for me, it was never really an issue of whether they existed or not. It was the quality of the information they brought. Whether what they bought was valid, whether you could, uh, research it and find it to be true, uh, whether their knowledge, um, what they were bringing, um, was important. Because all secret societies are just made up of people that pass stuff on generation. Yeah. So they may have just picked up another secret society's material or they, you know, they may actually have stuff that's passed down through families. the old bloodline families as they claim can can Um, i
1: interject something here yes this 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 is very interesting because when i first read uh holy blood holy grail which of course was was the major book that i got came out in the 70s i believe that sort of started all this i said this is all familiar not all of it maybe not the mary magdalene part but i heard that stuff from my father when i was a kid in bed yeah, you know, that was my bedtime story. You know, I I didn't get Beatrix <laughs> Potter. I got the Knights Templar, because yes. supposedly our family was founded by a knight named Heno, who had all sorts of crazy adventures with the the treasure of Solomon and all this business. And yeah, those are my bedtime stories. So oh, I'll yeah. just so so please buy all. So and we descend from the Merovingians as must at this point, three quarters of Europe and America. But I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not to interrupt. But I just I I couldn't get over that. I just thought it was amazing. So so I I know. What you're talking about, and I, I certainly relate to. It. So, please uh, forgive the interruption. Go right ahead. No, no, that,
3: that's fine. No, that makes perfect sense because there is this uh, there does appear to be an unbroken line of information that's passed down through history. Mm. That the, temp- the Templars, who certainly began as devout Catholics, came back from the Crusades seemingly as something else. Um, and the crimes that they were accused of, the heresies that they were accused of, um, when they were rounded up by Philip. Uh, King Philip um, seemed to attest to them no longer being Catholic, something had converted them or, or changed their minds to some extent and they were exposed to a lot, the, the final Templars uh, were born in the Holy Land you know they'd been there for 200 years so you had generation after generation these were local, these were mixing with Arab people and Arab religions and other ideas and lots of ideas of early Christianity that were different to what had come to the West so yeah, there's there's definitely threads of information. One of which, the main thing that the Prior of Sion released was this idea that Jesus was married, and this was a huge thing uh, that came out in Holy Blood, Holy Grail uh, over here in I think it was eighty one, eighty two. Um, so. But the the idea had kind of surfaced in the late seventies uh, with the mystery of Ranlos Chateau down in the south of France, and this this was the belief that um, well. Jesus was, Jesus had survived the cross. Um, the prior of Zion believed that Jesus survived the crucifixion, which there's reasonable amount of evidence for in the Bible. He's walking around afterwards with doubting Thomas touching his wounds. So there's some cause for that. And Mary Magdalene, when she recognizes him in the garden after the crucifixion, she refers to him as rabbi. And at the time, you couldn't be a rabbi unless you were married. So it brought in the idea that Jesus was perhaps married and that there may have been a family that were hidden.
1: Yeah, you're right, I never thought of that. Well, it's it's <laughs> quite, it, it's,
3: it's kind of a, an interesting thing because if it was accepted, see the prior sign are not about attacking Christianity or destroying it. Uh, if anything, they want to revitalise it. They want to redress the balance, as they say. Because the feminine was lost, and the feminine is very important to our psyche. It's, it's a gaping hole that there are, there's no kind of archetype for the emancipated female strong individual. Yeah. All we get is the kind of the virgin or the whore or the crone from the Bible. So that's kind of denigrated in society, yet that should be an equal balance to man. So the, the whole kind of suppression of the feminine is quite damaging psychologically. Nothing. Oh, else. absolutely,
1: absolutely agree. Um, should read but, my last book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <But> it,
3: <laughs> I should. I'm sorry, I should. I'll send it to. Uh, you. Do yeah, um, but so what this also does, what this was also do, it, it kind of challenges the church to say, well, if the church was to, ex, uh, to be more open, more truthful about what may have happened at the time, it would not only redress the balance, but it would put family back at the centre of Christianity. Because uh, to aspire to be Christ-like is impossible if he's the son of God, he doesn't have a family, he doesn't breed. We'd all be celibate and we'd all die after one generation. Mm. So in that sense, it's hard to aspire to somebody who's divine. You can't be the son of God. But if you read I mean, if you just read Matthew... The start of the New Testament starts, Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, is the genealogy of Jesus. And it says Jesus was the son of Joseph, he was the son of, right back to Abraham. And it clearly proves that A, he's the king of the Jews, and B, he wasn't the son of God. And that's in the Bible, it's also in Luke. Quite clear, Luke, they trace him right back to Adam. No. And Luke describes Adam as the son of God.
1: Of course, it depends what you mean by the Son of God. There were several explanations. Actually, yeah. I, I, I'm going to – this is absolutely fascinating. We're going, to, we're going to get to this because I have my own questions about this and I want to okay. really get into the meat of this. But Ben's got one or two more just for background. Yeah, the story yes, sure. of Scion.
2: So where did it come from and who exactly is in it? If, if you can't disclose who's in it, I, I think we'll understand. But
3: um, who, Who's in it? They're, they're made up. Uh, it's a fair mix. <laughs> Um, they've always included a certain amount of artists and creative people because that's their method of disseminating information. They've kind of supported these beliefs and got them out into the public domain through writing, through music, through art, especially art. Um, these esoteric ideas kind of surface. And that that was a whole side of the prior of science. So they're very creative people. They've also got quite a few Catholic and religious people in there. They're quite spiritual um, and then there's also an esoteric side, which is alchemy, based on alchemy and the Rosicrucians, and it's tradition of alchemists that go back. They have a huge knowledge of alchemy, vast knowledge of alchemy. Mm. Uh, my, my contact in particular, the reason I got to know him, mm. was he collected very rare alchemical manuscripts. He has manuscripts that were on loan to the British Library because they're so rare. They're, they're kind of um, really important documents. And he directed me to things that are 700 years old, to go and look at where you could see christianity and alchemy mixed together um some very very interesting things
1: indeed okay go ahead man okay so how did you ever
2: get in with them i mean it's a secret uh, secret society it must be really i know
3: i know they're quite talkative to me um my approach i I had this contact that i made so he knew of me um and I sent him a letter by an intermediary because I'd left the bookshop. I knew his address, but I didn't feel it was appropriate to use it. So I wrote a letter, I had, I wrote a letter and asked somebody in the bookshop who was in regular contact with him if they would forward it to his address without giving me his address. And they did this. And my approach, I'd spent 20 years researching Ramachato and uh, the Priory of Sion. And my approach matched, um, some extent what they had and what they believed with that they hadn't made public so i was going in the right direction i was very lucky and that my approach and my interests in the Rennes mystery i saw a lot of different things going on there
1: but yeah, I go, just, ahead and, go ahead and talk about that in case anyone doesn't understand
3: okay uh, a, a hundred years ago a priest in france was given six pounds a year to manage a church in the southwest of France, in a village called Rennes-le-Château. There are about 35 people living there at the moment. It's a tiny hilltop village. He had no money. Um, after a few years, the, the church is dilapidated. He starts to repair it. He gets a small loan, starts taking things apart and digging, and he starts finding things. And it's said that he found um, gold or something in small amounts in the church, and he would go for long walks and find other things. And then he starts spending money at an outrageous rate. He spends millions. He builds a big guest house, a Gothic tower. He redoes gardens. He buys land. He completely redecorates the church. And that's one... The first part of the mystery is where did he get his money? The second part of the mystery, which is more interesting, is what he did with it. This is a priest who put a, a stone inscription above his church door saying this place is terrible. He put a life-size statue of the demon Asmodeus just inside the door. He puts a Masonic floor of uh, black and white tiles just in one place, like you get in every Masonic temple. He puts Rosicrucian crosses on all the walls. Um, he changes things. He has a, an altar painting, which he does, of Mary Magdalene in a cave by a grave with two live shoots coming off of it. And in the background is a landscape that's local. And he's implying that somebody's buried there of religious importance and that Mary Magdalene's tending to the grave. And it's local. It's it's all done in a kind of local landscape. There's lots of pointers to local places. Um, He does lots of other strange things. And And lots of people go there and they kind of take what they got. An Egyptian expert went there and he saw it all as Egypt. You know, Freemasons go there, they see it all as Freemasonry. Astrologers go there and say, it's all astrology. I kind of got that before i went so i didn't fall into this it's got this kind of mirror effect where if you go with something in mind you'll probably find evidence because it's quite archetypal there's lots there that can can be found in every different religion every different belief and in many cases in christianity so it's you've got to kind of discern and i could see that he basically built a rosicrucian temple inside his church but that also there is something very important in the area that's religious, and it's probably a body. Um, and this becomes quite difficult. But that mystery's still going on. It's unsolved. Nobody's ever found the tomb. If there, Well, some people claim to have, but we haven't got to the bottom of what's really there. Huh. Um, and the mystery's not, never satisfactorily been solved of what he was really doing. He was visited by lots of very wealthy people. He opened bank accounts uh, adjacent to the Habsburgs. So, <laughs> dear.
1: <laughs> yes, so he was,
3: he was dealing with kind of blood, what's considered bloodline families. Mm. Um, and the whole idea of Mary Magdalene coming to France is quite interesting. Mary Magdalene was at the foot of the cross when all the other disciples hid <laughs> for fear of the Romans. Mary <laughs> Magdalene was quite happily associated with Jesus at the foot of the cross. Shortly after, she apparently has to leave Palestine uh, Israel, and she travels on a boat by Greece to the south of France. Now, what's really interesting in that is that Mary Magdalene is of the um, tribe of Benjamin, and the Benjamin Benjamites were exiled at one point. Uh, they were the founders of Jerusalem, and they go to a place called Arcadia in Greece, and Arcadia keeps turning up. So she stops off on the way to Greece, and if she had a child, there's a possibility that the child would remain with the tribe in Greece. And that's important because Arcadia is where the Merovingian family begin, the Franks. Uh-huh.
1: Let's the Franks,
3: the origin of the Franks. is the let,
1: Okay, well, let, let's leave it at that because we have to take a commercial break. Uh, sure. Right here uh, Right here on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, newsskyradio.com. Come right back. We'll be back in a minute with this fascinating conversation. Stay with us.
0: CBS Radio's The New Sky. sky Newskyradio.com. This is The Lisa J. Smith Show.
1: Change your perception, change your life. This is Lisa J. Smith, and you can tune in at 3 o'clock Eastern to listen to Lisa J. now. I'm here to give you messages from spirit and to help you have a new way of looking at life. That's at 3 o'clock Eastern on CBS Radio The Sky. Look up to the sky.
0: Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Reach out new skyradio.com. Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons, no boundaries. All day long, we're devoted to your emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being with your direct connect to the stars, Lisa J. Smith, The Dr. Pat Show, Liz Souza, Barbara Mackey, Glynis McCance, The Wake Up Call with L Newman and Tom Force. Let us know how we're doing. 248-545-7685. Log on. New SkyRadio.com. 24 hours a day. Your spiritual well-being is our concern. Awaken the extraordinary. Live the life you've imagined. Look up to the sky. CBS Radio's The New Sky. Newskyradio.com. New horizons, no boundaries. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. Newskyradio.com. Believe.
1: And we are back with our marvelous guest, Rob Howells, author of the new book, Inside the Priory of Science. And we are talking about the bloodline, the alleged bloodline of Jesus Christ and all sorts of collateral damage that apparently has occurred (laughs) throughout history with this. And uh, we were talking about Renle Chateau and and the uh, town in France where the priest – what what do you believe he discovered? Uh, Father Berenger was his name? Berenger
3: Sornier, yeah. Um, uh, I think the most important thing. Uh, I think he did. He did find a tomb because it's written in his diary. Found the tomb, um, and, but there were various tombs. There was possibly the lords of the area. There was possibly some treasure. But what happened was that after the Crusades, the Knights Templars came back to Europe and they brought their treasure or whatever else they'd found, uh, including, I, I imagine things like early scripture and documents, which would probably more, be more important than just gold. Um, they may have found early versions of biblical texts, for example, of Gospels, uh, may have come into their hands, like the Dead Sea Scrolls or the Nag Hammadi Library that were found in the 1940s. Mm. Um, some of those have existed, like the Book of Jubilees has been around for hundreds of years. A number of these documents have been. And they came back to the Languedoc, the area of rennes chateau So the Templars were around in the Middle Ages, in that area <clears throat> and they were building there were templar chateaux still there there were lookout posts and things that they built um, before they were seized and they they had warning that they were going to be seized they knew it was coming so they had time to bury things and hide things so there is a certain amount of there certainly an opportunity for templar treasure and templar finds to be buried there um, mm. that that has a risk because the templars of course were around 1000 years after jesus so if, uh, if you read some of the accounts of the Crusades, they claim to have found the True Cross, and the likelihood of it being the True Cross is not very good. You know, it's not very really high.
1: Point. No, it, it's even a, the Empress Helen's claim is a little bit soft. <coughs> yeah.
3: Well, she, she's about eight hundred years, and she claimed to have found even the sponge that uh, Jesus drank right. from and the, the the note from above his head. And she's really
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's another story. <laughs> she's Idea.
3: completely disrespectful. She just breaks it all up and scatters it around Europe. Um, <laughs> As relics, yeah. Um,
1: but yeah. So the Templars, but they may have found something really important. Okay. Uh, well, let's. I wish we had more than that, but we're just going to have to move on. Sure, okay. Yeah. A, a, cu- a couple of points. Now, now the whole thing seems to be keeping the secret of Jesus having been married. Is that it? And, well, and that, that there was a bloodline, a, a, a line of descent from Jesus. That's the, the big secret.
3: No, I have to say. I think there's two. There's two reasons these were kept secret. There were two things that came out of this. Mary, according to the Gospel of Mary uh, in the Nakamadi Library, was closer to Jesus, and he told her things that he didn't tell any of the other disciples. This makes the disciples really angry, especially, I think, uh, is it Paul? They're quite misogynistic. Paul, Um,
1: don't talk about it. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Not my favorite guy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, so So it appears that mary magdalene would have had a more pure form of christianity a more intimate form of christianity so you have not only the bloodline the idea that she had children but also an alternative christianity and that was probably more gnostic which meant a heaven was a a personal experience You you could find a personal experience of the divine of god that you could connect to it probably through your feminine side through your emotions as you do in psychology And that is a threat to the church, because you don't need priests, you don't need popes, you don't need any structure, buildings, prayer, anything. It becomes a personal thing like meditation, and that becomes a religious experience. So if the church accepted that, it would lose control. But also there's this problem of the pope having power and claiming to be a power on earth, when if Jesus has descendants, quite clearly they're a a threat to that. Okay. Um so in both ways it's it's threatening to the current status quo so it had to be hidden.
1: All right. Yeah. Oh that's perfectly understandable. All right, a few points. I spent yeah. 10 years in seminary studying for the priesthood of both the Roman Catholic and later the Eastern Orthodox churches. Okay. So there are two different two different points of view there and there are fascinating little hints that I'm sure you know about. One that I always wondered about was the wedding feast at Cana uh, yeah. in, uh, in in yeah in in uh the uh, early there was the first of the miracles in John, uh, where yeah. Jesus turned with the water into the wine, and I began to wonder. As I said, I don't think like other people. I began to wonder what's Jesus. What are Mary and Jesus, Mary his mother, Jesus, and Jesus doing, giving orders at someone else's wedding? Yes, you know. Yeah, I it said, seems
3: what? to take the role of the groom.
1: Yeah, but precisely. Or well, there were people say, so, "Well, it's probably one of one of the other the brothers, you know, of Jesus." So oh, that's possible, but nevertheless, uh, it, it's it's stuck in my craw, and and uh, nobody in the seminary can really answer the question. Then there yeah. is the the notion that the Orthodox have a special title for Mary Magdalene, and that is equal to the apostles. That is a very very lofty title yeah. in Orthodox yeah. theology. And she's the only woman, at least of that period, who has it. Now, the Orthodox are ferociously male oriented, like, like the rest of the, of the Christians and, and, and the number mm-hmm. of other religions, the Muslims and the Jews included. But th- they have a certain understanding of, or lost as it may be, of the feminine aspect, which you brought up at the beginning, and which is very important. People will not let the goddess go. They won't but it's, do
3: it. It's, it's part of our nature. Anything that stands against nature is pretty much doomed to
1: fail. Absolutely, absolutely. And,
3: and it is And I think things like the Da Vinci Code, although it is a bit kind of hokey as a book, um, the thing that really stuck with people was that it rang true. At some level in their psyche, it rang true. It made sense that Jesus was, was married, had well, kids. The, it
1: does. it, it, it makes normal. One. Um, well,
3: exactly, you know,
1: theologically, he's, uh, if you. Believe the Christian theology, Orthodox Christian theology, fully man, fully God. Well, he's fully human. If you reproduce, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the Eastern Christians, it was just not all, but would not have a problem with Jesus being married. And, and, I, and Ben and I sit here, and I, I, I can speak for him on this. I don't usually do that, but we both have this Eastern mentality, and we look at this and what's the problem? Yeah, I mean, so what? If, well. You know, I think- uh, yeah, uh, but i can which, see from the western perspective where it's job security and male dominance where it is
3: <laughs> well i don't think it is much now i think the problem no, we today, have, no. the problem we have now is the church is in a very difficult position because what it set up as a control mechanism for what were the uneducated masses back in the dark ages sure um no longer works it no longer really serves people um but they're, they're stuck with it because they, they can't easily put their hands up and say actually it wasn't quite like that and we really think it was like this and we'd like to change our religion yeah um, because I mean I, I have this ongoing I, even I have an internal battle where a lot of people get a lot out of Catholicism there are a lot of lovely people who devote their Absolutely. lives to it and do wonderful works for many work. people
1: yeah
3: and it's not my job to take that away from them I, I
1: respect it because that's where I learned to love God.
3: I'll always yeah, e- exactly. That. And I, I don't want to tell people who found something really meaningful in their life through their religion that their religion's hokum. Uh, so I you kind of have to be careful. And I think that's the problem that the Prior of Sion have is they've been releasing stuff bit by bit, gently. And I, th- I know there is an internal battle within them anyway because someone wants to release it faster and certainly the catholic side want to release it slower hmm. but it is coming out bit by bit and I, th- I think things like the appearance of the nakamadi library which is a, an amazing collection of documents that was found in egypt in about 1947 full of alternative gospels um some of those the second treatise of seth has a quote in it uh, of jesus which says um they crucified the wrong man, they crucified Simon of Cyrene, and I stood in the shadows and I watched.
1: Mm. And
3: it, it, it's amazing. It, it, it's completely black and white. because That would
1: never, create problems theologically. Yeah, th- these yeah.
3: were never, these documents were never edited by the church. They were never removed because they were never known about. They were only recently discovered, and luckily they came straight out and, and were available quite quickly for anyone to translate. So they were yeah. never suppressed. But I think the prior science problem is, it, it's too big a shock. I mean, if we found, there's something buried at Wren, and it's something very important, and mm-hmm. it's something religious. In the 1990s, I was down there. I came across the Belgian Secret Service. I came across Mossad. Um, really? the, yeah. The last okay. time we were down there, we were followed constantly. Um, people would follow us. They'd come and listen to our conversations and sit next to us in empty rooms. Uh, when we were doing the Bloodline documentary, we were being followed. Our phones were being tapped. It was kind of—it was happening all the time. It became part and parcel. You knew wherever you went, somebody was had their eyes on you. You didn't know if they were locals. You didn't know what they were. Um, but yeah, uh, in the mid '90s, the Vatican sent a team down there of archaeologists head, headed by Robert Eisenman to do a green you know, yeah. they
1: did, they did I'd ground scan. Yeah, very your them. name to me. Yeah,
3: yeah, he's, he's written quite a lot. Um, He's a, he's a good researcher, a good guy. Maybe,
1: maybe I should mention he worked on the Dead Sea Scrolls, and he dissented from the party line on what these meant, and he got he lost his job with the it was a Vatican sponsored. Yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but you and he um, has has been on his own since. They've written a number of books, and has been uh, a voice of um, I think fresh air.
3: Yes, in reference yeah. to these,
1: these documents. Yeah. So please, please go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, he's yeah. a okay.
3: serious archaeologist and theologian and researcher. He's a, he's a great person. But, yeah, the, the, um, the Dead Sea Scrolls were under Vatican control for about 30 or 40 years and were completely suppressed. We couldn't even get a list of what was in them. Yet, the Nakamadi Library, they published a list within weeks of them being discovered.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they under we, Vatican control. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, ben, oh. I'm, I'm monopolizing the conversation here. Do we... Uh yeah. Should have, a, should have a break me here. But.
2: Give me no. It's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. All yeah. right. All right. So what? What I don't understand is, I've run to people where I'm like, "Oh yeah, Da Vinci go Blah blah blah. They immediately freak out and they're like, "No, that <laughs> is not possible. Uh, why? Yeah. I don't understand if it's." I don't. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just don't think of it like other people do. But I, I think
3: you, you've got a very open-minded father, which helps a lot. I mean, we're all brought, brought up in the Western mindset. We're no, all even, brought even up in women. It's
2: like mindset. even like I've gotten to arguments with women who are who are Catholic, and it's like, well, I don't understand why people have such a problem with this. I mean, people who aren't clergy. I mean, what is, what is the big deal about this? That's the
1: Western obsession with sex, is it? Augustine in particular? I mean, what do you think? <laughs> it's just their faith. You know, it's people's, it's what they have
3: to hold. It's what gives their lives meaning. So it's very hard to challenge that. You have to be very careful. So if
2: it was proven true, what would people do? Uh,
3: they, If they couldn't cope with it, they'd just disbelieve it. You could dig up the body of Jesus tomorrow, and most people would say it's not really him.
1: Absolutely. And, you'd a, yeah. and you'd have
3: a hard time proving it.
1: Well, I have a saying for the true believer: no proof is required. For the unbeliever, no proof is sufficient. So, that's just, yeah, yeah. yeah um, I mean, it,
3: it's regardless of what you know, if you just tell people to read the Bible, if you really read it, it's a lot of it's already in there. Um, a lot of the
1: problems are, though, Rob, is is that we don't know what the original words of the Bible actually were. I mean, you have scribe yeah. after scribe after scribe, a number of whom were semi-literate, and I've have you yeah. ever seen the Codex Alexandrinus? No, it happens. It's got leak, it's leaking through to another page that, that, that changes, uh, say, say an omicron <laughs> into a theta, and changes everything. <laughs> I mean, it's just is chaos. You, I, I've, I actually saw a page of that that said, "Why did you change the original?" With well, one scribe yeah. writing to another, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, <laughs> we, we don't know what the original. It, well, it's, it, was, it was
3: it was kind of done by the council of Nicea. Well, exactly, well at Pauline
1: you know, Christians, the Christians who followed Paul, had yeah. conquered all the others. Yes, there were plenty of uh, yeah, a quite hurt. violent
3: scenes. Yeah.
1: Let, let yeah. me. I, I just am trying to not, trying to get everything we can into this. Hour. We have a, we have a question from a, a listener here uh, for you, and it's uh, from Pam, Pam, and doesn't want to use her last name. Costa, maybe she's <laughs> afraid of the priory design. Costa Mesa, California, and uh, Ben, if you'd uh, go right ahead with that. Okay,
2: uh, I have a question for Rob Howells in the movie Bloodline, which is a great movie. There are times when people feel threatened if they talk about the bloodline. Does Rob ever feel threatened because of the book or his other research? It
3: was follow from what you just said. Um, Interestingly, I, I, um, I discussed this quite early on with the bloodline, and I was told I was not under any threat, but a number of people died while we were making the film. Really? Um, some, yeah, certainly one person in particular who we were about to interview died of a cerebral hemorrhage, and then so did a number of others. So um, I, I don't feel I'm under any threat. I feel I'm at more risk from the Orthodox Church, and it's more devout and deranged followers in some Orthodox
1: with a small O, I hope you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the uh, others don't I, care. I mean, yeah, I,
3: I'm more worried about things like Christian fundamentalists, to be perfectly honest, than I ever would yeah. be a secret society. I don't... Uh, it, it wouldn't suit really anybody's needs to threaten me or otherwise I, I, okay. and everything's out in the book the lovely thing about publishing is you've done it and it's out there and absolutely oh there's we
1: have str- to wrap for uh, another break sorry to interrupt you again okay. behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio newskyradio.com our guest Rob Howells we'll be right back CBS Radio The Sky and NewSkyRadio.com are presented only for entertainment purposes and no guarantee is made for the accuracy or suitability of any advice or other information offered take CBS Radio The Sky with you wherever you go Be sure to download the Radio.com app today from your mobile marketplace. And when you really want to know more, 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 be sure to visit NewSkyRadio.com. Get in deep with exclusive articles and Sky News. Get your weekly horoscope and the inside scoop on host events. Radio.com
0: and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay connected. Discover your spirit. Listen to Spirit Guide Radio, where spiritual guides nourish your soul every weekday. Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, The Zodiac Girls with Solaris, Laura, and Kira. Laura Lee's Spirit Salon. Ask Dr. Doug with Dr. Doug Lira. Life by Number with Celeste and Keeping Life Real with Dr. Susan J. Stone. It's Spiritually Speaking Radio, Spirit Guide Radio, at 11 p.m. Eastern on New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. New horizons, no boundaries. New Sky Radio, powered by CBS. Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky New Horizons, no boundaries. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now, 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com.
1: Okay, and we are back with Rob Howells, author of the new book, the Priory of Zion, and we're answering a question from Costa Mesa, California. And uh, I guess uh, Rob was saying he does not necessarily feel threatened, but people were dying during the, uh, the um, yeah. making yeah. of the film The Bloodline. Uh, so, if you want to finish that thought and, and pick up where you left off? That would be great.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't feel, I certainly don't feel threatened by the Priory of Zion. Um, They're giving me this information. They know my, I've been very upfront about my intention to publish and um i've sought their advice and at every opportunity they've supported me um they're quite interested in me i think because i'm another i'm another method of dissemination in some ways
1: they're certainly Um, articulate in your in your delivery i hope the book comes across as that
3: um but yeah there is there are internal battles uh, there are parts of the organisation, it's, it's a large organisation of a 20, about 23 at the core, 23 core members, and then it goes out to kind of a, a ring of a few hundred and then it goes right out to maybe a thousand. And then there are other societies that are related to it and they don't always know that they're uh, related or controlled by the prior of science
1: so Shut our up. my understanding is that there's more to this than just just the bloodline there is another end of the bloodline and uh according to the information that I've seen there is how shall I put it then um what? talk of a uh an, an ap- apocalypse of some kind coming and, yes. and the, someone emerging and that you talk about this in your book someone emerging from this bloodline
3: yeah to, uh, yeah, to do some extent yeah. well um one thing kind of begets the other. There's this idea of, uh, after the second world war, for example, a lot of people lost their faith in God and Christianity and a lot of new religions spring up and a lot of cults. And because if you see that many people die, friends, family, millions of people slaughtered, it does make you question That's whether true. God exists or is interventionist or whether your religion works. Um, the, it's believed that there is an apocalyptic event coming by the Priory of Sion. Um, they believe to have knowledge of this and that it's happened before. And it's somehow... I once spoke to a former Catholic priest who'd served in France and he quite categorically told me that Rennes-le-Chateau is linked to the apocalypse. There's some link there. Some people believe it's a refuge. Some people believe that there's something encoded about the date. The Priory of Sion are quite clear on the idea that there will be an apocalyptic event. After this, there will be something of a spiritual vacuum, and that leaves it open, and into that is the idea of a kind of priest-king emerging, that by then people will have been prepared, and they will know of the bloodline enough, and that it won't particularly come as a surprise. And there's this idea that there's an heir (coughs) from two of the kind of leading European families, and that they produce some kind of heir that steps forward as a leader, as a natural leader, a kind of priest-king. And it fulfills this prophecy of second coming, because Christianity doesn't have reincarnation. No. So, um, where is this second coming, you know, come from? And the idea of the bloodline actually eventually producing something. Because as you say, it's kind of gone everywhere, and it's watered down, and it's, you know, and they've not all been Jesuses. These royalty of France and the Merovingians, some of those have not been particularly good people. Um, so there's some. It's like there's something missing that like something needs awakening or something needs to come back.
1: Well, let, let's uh, talk about the Merovingians for just a second because yeah. they seem to be a fountainhead of much of this and or, or a, a um, uh, conduit by which the bloodline c- comes down to us today. Sure. My father told me that they and I've obviously since read up read up on them that they were real. They all they had to have long hair. They couldn't cut their hair. Yeah. And they were sort of priest kings. Yes, on were. a sort of ancient model. I mean, is, and the, that seems to have been the case. What's, well, with, what's the, with the hair?
3: Um, I, mean, I can't remember the hair. The Hyksos were the, 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 the Egyptian the, yeah, priest kings. Like, yeah, yeah. They, so it's that's the It's kind of down the Egyptian line, and the whole Christianity going back into Egypt. So this could be thing.
1: back before Christ. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, well, the bloodline goes right back. Well, Moses was half Egyptian.
1: That's He's right. Believed, yeah. Well, as far as we know.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people believe that um, Akhenaten was Moses. I think that's That's right, man. yeah. The, the because Duke, he's a, he's the first monotheist. Uh, uh,
1: Sun disk guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did we a whole show by up. the
3: Egyptians. They tried to wipe him from history. Um, yes. But there's a whole, that's the kind of origin of monotheism.
1: Well, let's mention this, though. Um, yeah. If people understand how human descent works... At 2,000 to 2,500 years, you have over a million ancestors, because this obviously generation to generation, it multiplies exponentially. Yep. Two grandparents, yeah. you know, four, eight great-grands, et cetera, et cetera, so it just goes on and on. So, for example, I'll give you an example. Uh, King Edward III had nine children who lived, and I believe all had children of their own. So 80% of the population of England, at least, <laughs> is descended from King Edward III and and that's not that far back
3: really I know we all pretty much go back to Charlemagne. And, yeah, pretty uh,
1: much yeah and that yeah. means America too any of the older families uh, yeah. so I mean what, the, does the, the dilution mean anything how do you prove that someone is the heir of a bloodline that old
3: I have no idea I, I kind of assumed I was never clear on it I kind of assumed that there's a quality in the blood that there has to be some otherwise it's if Jesus was just the king of the Jews he's not the son of God uh, then why is it important? What's different about that blood to everybody else's? Because well, that,
1: that, 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 that leaves some pregnant questions about oh, the yeah. origins of the human race and our genetics.
3: Yes, yeah, and the <laughs> idea of Adam and the first man and that kind of created man. Uh, and some people take that back to alien intervention. Um, Good heavens. Yeah, I know. We need I five hours. <laughs> I, I I don't really subscribe to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? There are twenty two hundred twenty three genes in the genome that shouldn't be there, but that's another, that's another story. All right, I want to I, I want to give you a chance right now to talk about your book and your websites because we have, we have a little more time, but I want to make sure we we give you a chance to do that before we run out of time.
3: Okay, my website has not appeared at the moment. It, for some reason, the hosting's gone weird on it and it's disappeared briefly, but it uh-huh. will. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the book Inside the Prior of Sign has come out in the U.S. It hasn't appeared in the U.K. It comes out on Thursday. Over here I've got a book launch on Thursday. I haven't seen a copy. People in the States <laughs> are emailing me saying, I'm that's, reading your book. And
1: I think, that's it's happened to it. me.
3: feeling. Publishers are wonderful. Um, yeah, so it's coming out. Uh, it's, it's out in the U.S. It's coming out in the U.K. It's pretty much available across Europe. There will be a French edition and a Spanish edition next year. Um it's charts kind of the history of the Sun, as I know it at various points in history, like just before the French Revolution in Paris, there was a really important time where a lot of interesting people were around, a lot of Rosicrucians, artists, writers. Um Perrault who wrote the fairy tales, that kind of those kind of people. Um so it just as kind of snapshot of that era there's a lot about the rem mystery i found a lot of new material and i did a lot of research myself and scion helped me and gave me information of things that they, we never knew the answer to that they just had so which is one of the reasons that i found that they were provable because they yeah, knew well that yeah okay
1: i uh, read it myself
3: yeah so i could suddenly put this kind of stuff out there and what we what i found down there and objects and items and um, my kind of take on that, and then it does lead towards kind of the bloodlines what that means on many levels because it 's more than just uh, families you know uh, there is this um, belief system being passed along the alternative kind of Christianity that we 're talking of, and then into these ideas of apocalyptic thinking and the idea of a second coming um, what that might mean where that kind of takes us.
1: Okay, we so, have another it... email. That, uh, yeah, th- sorry that, that I wanted to get to. And first of all, Ben, I, I'm I'm stomping all over the conversation here. Do you have any questions? Of... No, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I get excited about these things. Anyway, this is from Chuck G in Phoenix, Arizona, and Chuck writes. Okay, um, if all this about Jesus and Mary
2: Magdalene being married, if all this is a, if all this is about Jesus and Mary Magdalene being married, and then having it covered up is true. Why aren't anti-Christian groups and other religious, other religions like Muslims, using disinformation against the church?
3: Um, because well, a lot of what's in the Muslim faith comes from Christianity. That's <laughs>
1: right. They have great great reverence for uh, Jesus.
3: Yeah, so you're they're kind of coming out of the same doctrines because they're seven hundred years later. Um, so. I can't remember, was it a Levite priest who was a major influence on it? I can't, uh, clearly remember. Mm-hmm. That might offend some people. I'm sorry, sorry if it does, but at some point I came across it in research.
1: Um, that's no, the paranormal no spin zone here, so.
3: Okay. There's <laughs> a, the, um, I mean, the Quran's an amazing book. It's well worth reading because it's like a modernized version of the Bible. Um, mm. it comes, it, it comes later, but it draws on the same sources. Uh, the anti Christians, I, I don't think... You see, it doesn't... It isn't just a way of attacking Christianity. That's not really what it's about. If anything, it makes it more relevant and more real and more uh, approachable to people. Yeah, I can it, see that, yeah. It makes it more human because it's about relationship and it's about love. Mm-hmm. And and the things that Jesus supposedly taught that Christians seem to miss out on, or the Catholic Church certainly seems to not um, follow up on too well, <laughs> like... uh the whole blame and guilt thing that they do um so i i don't know if it's really i i wouldn't want this stuff to be used as ammunition against the church i prefer it was used for people to have a deeper experience i I think everybody in all civilizations throughout history spirituality has happened in some form it finds some expression you find it all over the world it's obviously a natural thing so there's no point being atheistic about it there's no point in saying oh, spirituality is nonsense it's natural it happens it's in everybody and whether you get it from going and standing in the woods looking at the stars standing by a sea or reading catholicism or the bible quran or, or the bhagavad gita zendavesta it's still how you interface with the divine and how you have a spiritual experience and i think that's more important
1: i like uh, that
3: Beyond all of this, I think it's fine helping people find better ways. But if you are going to use your religion as a, uh, a kind of morality thing, as a kind of set of rules to live by, then you need to find a balanced religion, not one that's mm-hmm. masculine or o- overtly one way or the other or destructive in some way. You need to find what's good, you know, something that strives for the higher properties in humanity—very good, and compassion and good things.
1: Well before I ask you who the air really is I don't know. well that answer that uh, oh we have another we have another break coming up but I wanted to get into uh, just mention the power of the church is not what it used to be and we'll talk a little bit about that there you know okay. and anyway we have to take another break and you are listening to behind the Paranormal with Paul and ben Eno, CBS News Sky radio newsskyradio.com. we'll be right back <laughs>
0: is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com.
1: And we're back with our guest Rob Howells, author of the new book, Inside the Priory of Zion. And we're talking about the bloodlines of Jesus Christ. And I have a couple of points I just wanted to, to get your thoughts on here, Rob. And one one is that we we all tend to be somewhat Eurocentric. Uh, if this heir, you so say you don't know who it is, so I won't even ask. If the heir comes out, okay, and is even as a member of some, uh, one of the the royal families of Europe, everybody's going to say, so what? Aren't they? I mean, well, especially somebody in Asia, yeah, you know, I, somebody worshipping in the Buddhist temple in Asia, meditating. Well, what, so what? So what's the point?
3: It might be a purely Western thing. I mean, there are, there are saints, in you go to India, and there's saints every couple of hundred yards, to some extent. Mm. And, and people who are uh, worshipped as saints, uh, living saints, um, the godmen of India. And, yeah, I mean, the West has turned a blind eye to them throughout history. It doesn't really suit us to believe that there were existing saints somewhere else in the world. So, yeah, it might be an entirely Western phenomena. Um, but, the, I mean, the uptake of the Catholic Church is huge worldwide it's but, in every country. Well let me so, just well,
1: okay well let me just point this out I mean the, the political problem for the power of the church I mean one might ask what power few people in Europe go to church anymore clergy sex scandals have crippled church credibility we were in Ireland in 06 and we went through a military base where they have a a prison known as the Vatican all <laughs> priests and nuns have been imprisoned for abusing children I mean good heavens I mean in the Vatican from what I've been told and I know people who work there is living on its tourism income I mean so what, what I mean do they have any power left to stand against us? is no, that all a ruse?
3: <laughs> the Vatican is the largest landowner in the world. okay, it's uh, incredibly rich. It's not going anywhere fast, and it's not dependent on tourism. Oh no, okay. the Vaticans uh, it's been around long enough that it's well ensconced in uh, everything from politics to shares oh, yeah, uh, and um, for some, something that doesn't entirely advocate gambling, they've certainly gambled on the stock market um for years. So and yeah, they are closing a few churches, but if you just want I mean in London, in the city of London in one square mile, there's something like fifty two churches. Yeah, they're not Catholic now. Um but that is the power of Christianity. Uh there are thousands of buildings and structures and books and things devoted to christ and to christianity and the christian mindset and that, and to upholding that so there's power on many different levels and we are all brought up in a christian mindset in the west whether yeah. you're you think you know you think you're not and you think you're completely free of it uh, but my children go to school and they're told about noah you know and my son comes home and says noah built an i can put all the animals in it and i think you're only six but there's two and a half billion species on the planet you're not going to pair them up and shove them in a wooden box um, it's kind of hard to tell him that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, so
1: we're almost done. Uh, well, we're almost down to the end true. of the hour here. Uh, it's going very quickly. But uh, just you know, in, in 25 words or less, where is all this going? What, what happens next?
3: I think more things need to come out. Uh, I what, I think I'd like there to be an opportunity for the church to be a bit more open, and certainly certain priests within the church will potentially at some point within the Vatican uh, open up and be a bit more liberal and a bit, I mean, we have a very right wing pope at present, which is a bit of a stumbling block for all concerned. It wasn't what the prayer of Zion wanted and it wasn't what a lot of people wanted, but it's what we got. Um, this was a man who was a former member of the Inquisition under its mm. 1980s name, um, doctrine for the holy faith or whatever it was. Um, and <clears throat> so, but there are priests that are more open and more aligned with what the Priory of Zion are trying to release and trying to get out there. And there are people within the Catholic... It's certainly, there's a Catholic church in Limoux in the south of France, which I write about, which shows Jesus and Mary on thrones next oh, to each other.
1: we're done. I'm afraid we're okay. flat out of time. Thanks, <laughs> thank you for putting up all the interruptions. Thank you for staying That's up so fine. late. <laughs> <And> we're <laughs> we're going cool. to do this again, Rob. It's been absolutely marvelous. Thank you so much. I'll be in touch thank off you the year. very cool. much. Okay, Rob Paul's, everyone, <laughs> the book one. Inside the Priory of Zion. Check it out. Okay, if you live in southeastern New England, Ben and I will be teaching a course at Providence Learning Connection beginning Saturday, November 5th. Check it out, southcoastlearning.org. And thanks to our producer, Will Kosnick. We'll see you next Sunday, October 16th, when Ben and I will welcome researcher, commentator, and blogmaster Tim Banal for discussion about the implications of the paranormal for society. And about the personalities of the people who research it.
2: In the meantime, tune into our New England Drive Time Show on WO1 1240 AM and O1Worldwide.com, 6 p.m. Eastern. Every Monday, you can always get free podcasts of all our shows, along with show schedules and guest information at www.behindtheparanormal.com.
1: And we don't, don't usually talk that quickly. We leave you with a thought from American author and broadcaster Tom Beaudet. Quote, The difference between school and life. In school, you're taught a lesson and then given a test. In life, you're given a test that teaches you a lesson, unquote.
2: Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.